From Parkway Church in Kurana, this is the Parkway Podcast. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you today as you listen. If you would like to know more information on who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. So we're going to get into the Word today. If you have a Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 22. I want to take actually a detour from the book of Mark for a bit, we've been studying the book of Mark, and I just want to—I want to focus a little bit and use Valentine's Day as a springboard um, to talk about enabling love today. So, regardless of your relationship status, this is for you. This is for everyone. It has—it has everything and nothing to do with your relationship status. Okay. So, if you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 22. We're looking at verses 36 and 37, but I want to pray, and then we'll get into it. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you that we can worship this morning. We thank you that we can learn and open your word uh, freely. And I pray in Jesus' name that as we do so, would you speak to our hearts. You know the state of our hearts, God. You know our position, Lord. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak your word of truth over us and that we would be receptive to the things that you want to say this morning. As we talk about your love, God, that your love fulfills, Lord, and enables us to love others, I pray, God, that you would just begin right now through all of this to, to, be, to fill each and every single one of us with your love, God. Let it penetrate, God, um, our space. Let it penetrate our mind. Let all, any walls or strongholds, God, that we have up that hold us back from this, I pray in the name of Jesus, would you tear them down and just uh, uh, ready, God, our hearts to to receive your love, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So Matthew chapter 22, verse uh, 36 says this, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And he goes on to say, and I'll read this, he says, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law, that's the entire Old Testament and prophets, hang on these two commandments. So Jesus was asked by an expert in the law, what out of all 613 laws in the Old Testament scriptures, there's 613 recorded laws, out of all of them, which is the greatest? Which is paramount? Which is is first? And Jesus replies, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Heart, soul, and mind. The totality is what he's saying, the totality of your existence. Every part of you, all aspects of your being, love God. That's the greatest commandment. And I wanna propose to you today that truly, deeply loving God with all that you are brings the deepest fulfillment in life. It brings the deepest fulfillment in life and in turn enables us to love others proportionately. And I say proportionately deliberately because I believe that we often love others disproportionately. We, we often love too large, meaning we obsess over people or we infatuate um, over people or we even worship people. We give people um, a kind of love that is reserved for God. Or we love others too little. We don't love others as God intends us to love, and that is sacrificially and conditionally. If you think about it, think about your love for someone is often conditional. It's conditional on a set of rules or principles, spoken or unspoken, that if they break, then your love for them actually changes. So loving God brings real fulfillment, and loving God enables me to love others. I want to take you back to the third century, 
around uh, 269 AD, when this day began, February 14th. Valentine's Day had little to do with, with red valentines and cupid arrows and, and candy hearts. It, and, and there's a lot of debate over the origin stories and the history of Valentine's Day. Specifically, who was St. Valentine's and how did we get this day? Now, in fact, there's very little known except for a few stories and legends surrounding different St. Valentine's. Uh, ancient sources reveal there were several who died on this day, February 14th, all in the third century. Three in, uh, specifically. The first uh, earliest Valentinus suffered martyrdom in Africa along with 24 soldiers, and that's all we know. The second was a Catholic bishop who suffered martyrdom under Emperor Claudius Gothicus, who was a persecutor of the Christian church in the third century, and that's all we know about him. And the third was a Roman priest by the name of Valentinus, who was arrested during Emperor Claudius's reign and put under custody of a nobleman named Erastus, or Asterus, sorry. Now the story goes that Erastus, Erastus, if I can pronounce that, um, made a bargain with, with this Roman priest, Valentinus, that if the Christian priest could cure his daughter's blindness, he would convert to Christianity. And so the story continues and says that the Roman priest put his hands on the daughter's eyes and supposedly repeated this Line. He said, Lord Jesus Christ, enlighten your handmaid because you are God, the true light. And it says that the daughter's eyes were opened and Erastus and his family were baptized. Now, following that, uh, Emperor Gothicus heard the news and he ordered all of them to be executed because he was a persecutor of the Christian church. Now, Valentinus, this is historical fact, was sentenced to a beating, stoning, and finally decapitation. Sounds really romantic, right? Like that's, just, that's just what Valentine's Day is all about, decapitation. Now, there are legends surrounding Gothicus's reign that say that he had made an edict that prohibited the marriage of young people based on the hypothesis that unmarried soldiers performed better, they fought better. Polygamy was also very popular in that day, and yet some of them were very attracted to the Christian faith. And the church, though, thought and still does that marriage was a sacred and is a sacred holy institution between one man and one woman for life. And so this presented problems. And so Valentinus encouraged them to marry in the church, to, to, to commit to a monogamous relationship between one man and one woman. And then he secretly married them because of this edict. And so that ultimately led to his arrest because of his stance on Christian marriage. He was arrested and he was martyred for his stance on Christian marriage. Now, of all of the St. Valentines, the common denominator is that they were all martyred because of their faith and belief. Every single one of them, ultimately, the common ground was that their heart, their soul, and their mind was devoted and centered on God. That is what Valentine's Day is really all about. And if you and me are honest, our lives are all centered around something. Whether you, and, and it's not just what you say it's centered around, but it's actually proven by your actions. And if you're single or married, your life could be centered around you. What you want, what you want, desire, what you dream for, what you wanna do, what you need, it's yourself. And this is something that our world actually paints as a good thing, right? That it's all about me. It could be centered around kids, 
you have kids, what they want, what they want to do, where they want to go, you make endless sacrifices for your kids and for their lives, but you never invest in your marriage. And the problem with that is, is when your kids grow up and they move out and they move on, you're left with an empty marriage that you never invested in. Maybe it's centered around money earning money and having the right retirement money and hoarding money and keeping money and guarding money. Everything becomes about money, how you spend money, how you give money. It's centered around money. Maybe it's centered around materials. Your life and your relationship is about things, about stuff, about shopping, about looking the part and image. Maybe for you, life and relationship and marriage is centered around success and career and job. Maybe it's centered around your partner or your spouse and you think, shouldn't it be? what they want to do, what making them happy, and you make endless sacrifices for them. Your life, if we're honest, and your relationships are centered around something or someone. But here's the problem with all this. Whether it's centered around me, money, stuff, people, spouse, kids, is it drives the myth that something or someone will make me happy. Something or someone will make me happy. I'm looking to something or someone to feel that fulfillment, to receive that love. That if I just do this, if I just get that, or if they just love me this way, or if they just perform that way, then I will feel fulfilled. And when that's not there, we feel empty and we feel void. And sometimes whether you know it or not, all of us, in this room, all of us, and everyone on the other end of this camera is we're, we're pursuing a perfect person or we're trying to make someone into that perfect person or we're trying to find something that will make us feel whole and make us feel fulfilled. And here's the thing. No one and no thing will ever make you feel whole. No one and no thing has the ability to make you feel fulfilled. And none of us truly know this until that person or that thing falls apart or it fails and it doesn't bring what we thought it would and then we're left with that emptiness inside of us. And, and a lot of us, what we do is instead of realizing this is we think that maybe this isn't the right person or maybe this isn't the right thing. And so we end up pursuing something else and we end up in this cycle of pursuing people and things to receive fulfillment and love. And maybe this is a little bit of the problem with Valentine's Day is it perpetuates this myth that something or someone will make me feel loved. If I just get flowers or chocolates, or if this person just acted this way, if I just had more of that. Now here's some good, I think good theology for you, is you were built and you were designed in such a way as to want something beyond yourself to bring fulfillment. You were designed and built in such a way as to want something beyond yourself to bring fulfillment. Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11 tells us this, that God has set eternity in the human heart. He has set eternity within you. There is a longing in you for something that is beyond you. Nothing and no one on our earth can fulfill. No pursuit of or measure of wealth, no amount of human love can satisfy except the eternal God. Blaise Pascal in the 1600s called this the God-shaped hole. He said this. He said, what else does this craving and this helplessness proclaim but that there was once in man a true happiness of which all that now remains is the empty print and trace. This he tries in vain to fill with everything around him, seeking in things that are not there the help he cannot find in those that are, though none can help, since this infinite abyss can only be filled with an infinite and immutable object. In other words, God himself. 
Paul, when he's writing to the church in Colossae, in Colossians chapter one, he says that God created us. He created everything by him and for him. We were created by God and for, for God. He said it again in Romans chapter 11. He says that from him and through him and for him, all things were created. You and me, we were created by him and for him. You wanna know what your purpose is in life? You're for God. You wanna know why you're here? Why do you exist? For God. You're created by him and for him. And the implication of this is this. If we were created by him and for him, if there's a longing inside of us with, which, which nothing on this earth can satisfy, then it stands to reason that only God and only in God can we find real fulfillment and real love. That is, that is the only place where we will ever feel whole. If we're created by him and for him, and there's a longing for something beyond us that, that nothing on this earth can satisfy, that only in an eternal God will we ever feel fulfillment, will we ever feel real love. But here's the thing, we don't pursue God in a manner as to find wholeness in him. We pursue other things in other people. If you take a look at your daily life, your habits and your actions, you take a look at a snapshot of your week, your week would, would, would reveal the things that you pursue in order to find fulfillment and happiness. And your relationships, you try to find wholeness and fulfillment in them. And this is perpetuated by this line, you've probably heard it, that in relationships, you find someone that completes you. They just, they just complete me. I just need someone to complete me. That is not true. That is a lie because no person can complete you because when they fail or when they don't measure up and when they don't reach your expectations, you will feel that void and what will happen is you'll, you'll, you'll start to think, well, maybe they're not my, my one. They're not my soulmate. And this is why people fall out of love because they think that someone's meant to complete them and that person doesn't complete them. They go searching elsewhere. Your spouse, your relationship was never meant to complete you. They're meant to compliment you they're meant to be a partner, but only God can complete you. And the same goes for those of us that are single. We feel an emptiness or we feel a void or we feel the lack of a relational fulfillment because we've bought in this, this lie that we need someone to complete us. That there's something lacking because I don't have someone. So we've bought into this lie and it doesn't help when others rub it in, right? And don't get me wrong, Jesus called singleness a gift that only some can receive. We've all been created for community. We've been created to, to have a longing for companionship. And there is a level of fulfillment and joy that comes from that. We are, we are designed for friendships, but it's not the kind that fills the void. It's not the kind that fills that emptiness because true fulfillment and wholeness can only come from God. That's why most people will spend their life in and out of relationships because they're trying to find somebody or find stuff. That's why so many people pursue materials or, or get, become covetedness and, and jealous of those who have more because they think, if I could just have that, I'll feel better. If I could just buy this toy, if I could just um, have that kind of a job or have that kind of life, I'll feel better about myself. I'll feel fulfilled. And it perpetuates this lie. People, stuff, and your pursuit will never fulfill you. Only Jesus can complete you. Let's talk about soulmates for a second. You have one, and 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 every person on the other end of the screen has one. I have one, and it's the same one. His name's Jesus. 
We all have a soulmate and his name is Jesus because he's the only one that can satisfy the soul. In fact, the idea of a soulmate is not found in scripture anywhere. It actually comes from Greek mythology, but that is a sermon for another day. We have a soulmate and his name is Jesus. If we're to follow the way of the Bible, if we're to follow the way of Jesus, Jesus is supposed to be number one. Your spouse is number two. Your kids, number three. Your life and ministry, your career is number four. That is the order. Can I just tell you, I have a beautiful wife who I love. I, I, I feel so much joy in her and from her. And I, I love spending my life with her and I'll give anything for her. But she's number two. She doesn't come first in my life. You say, man, that's not nice. That's not really good. That doesn't sound, that's how it's supposed to be. Because if I, if I put her in number one position, which we'll find out in a moment, then I can't actually give her the love that she needs. I need something in me to fill me, to complete me, so that what I give is actually true whole love and not just a measure of it. Love the Lord your God, Jesus said, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Why? Because loving God brings real fulfillment. That sums up the law. Loving God brings real fulfillment. And in loving God, I find that I satisfy that longing and that desire that cries out. And this is what follows. Loving God enables me to love others proportionately and as God intended. There is a link between loving God and loving others. If I... If I'm not truly fulfilled outside of God, who the Bible says is love, then outside of God, what I actually give others when I think that's love is actually lacking. Or at best, it's self-seeking. I'm giving in order to get. That's why a lot of people get into relationships is because they, they want it. It's self-seeking. They want to satisfy. I feel alone. And so I want to find someone to fill me, to feel better about myself. I give in order to get. Or at best, I'm giving a short measure of love. But when fulfilled and complete in God, the love that I extend is not a love in myself, but it's a love that is beyond myself. It's a love that is not tied to any condition, but it's unconditional, it's never ending. It's a love that 1 Corinthians tells us never fails. So in the Bible, um, Paul wrote to the Christians in the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it's known as the love chapter and it gives us really a great picture of what love is. And it says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse four to eight. And as we read this, you know, ask yourself, do I love this way? Don't, don't look at your spouse or look at your family member or look at anyone else and be like, I wish they'd love like this because then you're not loving like this, okay? Ask yourself, do I love like this? Paul says this, he says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, which kind of just goes against everything our culture tells us about love. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. Now, this will be quoted at a lot of weddings, but interestingly enough, this was actually written to a divided church. It was written to a fractured church, a church that Paul was calling back to, to a true love. And if we're honest, you and me, we're fractured. We're divided in ourselves because we look at a list like this, and I don't think any of us loves like that because this is a God love. Only God can love in a way that never fails. 
So how do I turn loving God into loving others this way? How, how do I love God? How do I love God in a way that brings that fulfillment? And how do I in turn, that, turn that love into loving others? Well, I got three points for us. And number one is this, is I understand God's love for me. I receive and understand God's love for me. The most famous Bible verse in the world says this, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God loves you so much that he gave his son for you, to die for you, to take your place, to, to make a way for you to have eternal life, to pave a way for eternity for you. If you're a parent here, how many of you are ready to sacrifice your children for somebody else? Nobody's raising their hands. Nobody does this, but that is what God does. He loves you so much as to give us his son, to sacrifice himself. Jesus came for you because of his depth of love for you. And not because you were good enough, not because you were worthy of it, but because you were unworthy and you couldn't attain to it. So he loved you so much as to come and die for you. Romans chapter five says this, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loves you unconditionally. It's not tied to any condition. It's not based on your goodness. It's not based on your works. It's not based on how nice you are or the fact that you open doors for people or that you wave and smile behind your mask. It's not, it's not based on how, how much you submit to government authorities. It has nothing to do with you because it says while we're still sinners in your sin, in your wickedness, when you fell short in your darkness, that's when he died for you. God loves you a lot. You know when moms get like so overcome with love that they say some really weird things? Your mom ever said this when you were younger? Anybody in the room, like your mom would say like, I just love you so much I could eat you. You know, like I could just, they just, I could just eat you. And you know, I, I, I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I'm just like, I get it because I get that way with my kids. But that's the kind of love that God has for you. He loves you so much. He just, he does what the moms do. He just, they just he just wants to get you close. And how does God get you close? How does he try to satisfy the longing that is in your heart for eternity? Is he takes your place on the cross. He pays a way for you to get there. He wants to get you close to him. And so he says, I gotta make a way. That's his love for you. First John chapter 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. We have the capacity to love God only because he first loved us. God's love for us enabled our heart. It softened the soil of our soul. God's love for you and for me gives us the ability to love him in return. So understanding the magnitude of God's love and letting that sink into the deepest cavities of your heart and mind, meditating on it day and night. Joshua was told by God when he would take over for for Moses and lead the people into the promised land, the Israelite people, he said, God told him to meditate on the law day and night so that he would not depart from it. What is the greatest law? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Meditating day and night on God's love for you, dwelling on it through the power of the Holy Spirit enables you to love him. 
And if you understand this, when you do, what is produced in you is a love for yourself and a love for others. It fills the emptiness and overflows your life with love. When you receive and have God's love in you, it overflows all of your life with love. 1 John chapter four. If you're gonna read any book on God's love and what love is, read 1 John. It says this, 1 John chapter four, verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So the outflow of receiving love from God is loving God and loving others. It's the natural product. It's the byproducts. It's the ripple effect. It's the effect to the cause. He says in 1 John 3, verse 14, he says, we know that we've passed from death to life because we love each other. Like for, for John, what he's saying, he says, we know that we've moved from being someone who's dead in our sins to someone who's alive in Christ, been made new by what? By our love for each other, the outflow. And this is not the empty love or the short measure love that we give, but this is the first Corinthians chapter 13. It's the never ending love. How do, I, how do I love God to receive fulfillment? And how do I in turn love others is I begin to understand and receive God's love for me meditating on it day and night. Second is this, live by the spirit. What do I mean by that? I mean, living your life, walking daily by the leading of the spirit of God in your life and not your natural desire. So there's two natures in you that are existing as you go throughout your life in every interaction, every space of life in your home, in your workplace, every, every, every relationship, there will be a nudge one way or the other. One is the natural inclination, what your sinful nature will lead you to do. And sometimes that's not as extreme as we think. And one is the spirit-led nature. So what he's saying here, he's just saying when we, when we lean, or what I'm saying and what we'll see in Galatians chapter five is when we lean into that spirit-led nature is when we walk by the spirit, we actually um, gratify and we fall into um, God's love. My natural desire is the antithesis of God's love. It's, it's selfish, it's greedy, it's hurtful, it's self-deprecating, but living by the Spirit and walking according to the Spirit leads into love. Listen to this, Galatians chapter five. It says, verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh, to indulge your natural desires. Rather, what's he say, the opposite? Serve one another humbly in love. Serve one another. You wanna not gratify the desires of your flesh, of your sinful nature, of your natural desires, then serve one another. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say walk by the spirit, live by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And let's jump to verse 22, it says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So what is the first thing listed in the fruit that comes by walking according to the Spirit? Love, love. Love for others, love for self, 
overflowing life of love that grows in our lives by God's doing. Somehow God just makes it happen. It won't happen without God. It's a supernatural effect. One person said the Christian life of love is a supernatural life. It is not produced by merely human forces, but it takes resources that we do not have. I love others with the love of God in me when I choose to daily live by the Spirit and not indulge my flesh. How do I flow in love? How do I allow love to flow in me? Is not indulging my flesh, but living according to the Spirit. So understanding and receiving God's love, meditating on it, taking those scriptures and and recalling them into mind day in and day out. Secondly, is living by the Spirit. And thirdly, my last point, and then I'm gonna pray after this, is obedience to Christ. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. If you love me, keep my commands. How do I love God? And how do I turn that love into loving others? I follow and practice the way of Jesus. I do as Jesus did. I walk as Jesus walked. I give as Jesus gives. I care as Jesus cares. I think as Jesus cares. I become an apprentice that actually follows in the way of Jesus. You know, I've been, I've been deliberately choosing for my own life to use the word apprentice as opposed to disciple. In the Christian community, we use the word a disciple a lot, but it's really lost its meaning from the first century. A better word today would be apprentice. It's someone that follows after the one who's teaching them and training them the way of whatever it is they're, they're doing so that they can do what they do. An apprentice of Jesus is learning from him and learning his ways, putting them into practice so you can do as he does. And so in order to, to flow in a life of love that enables me to love God, enables me to love others, is I obey the commands of Christ. Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love with all that you are. Your entire being is to be devoted to him. Question is, is it? Are you devoted to God? And you're not devoted to God just because you're watching this morning. You're not devoted to God just because he tithes. Those are great things. You're not devoted to God God because you serve on the dream team, because you're on the worship team, guys, because you're in the tech. You're not devoted to God because you're hosting at the door. Now, yes, those are outflows of that, and those are great things. But all, he's saying all, every part of you, every day, every ounce, every aspect, God flows into every aspect of your life, not just church life, but home life and work life and school life and and travel life and commuting life and how I spend my evenings, how I spend my mornings, how I spend midday. Every aspect of my life flows through God. That's loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, every part of who you are. And when we do that, in him, we find the deepest satisfaction for the longing that is in our soul, a longing that only he can fill. His love for you will fill you and your being to completeness. Love for him will bring a love for yourself. It will bring a love for others. So I wanna say these two quick points and then I wanna pray. So to the married person, fulfilled or not, meaning whether you find fulfillment in your marriage or you find that it is lacking and empty, find completion in God, not your spouse. 
Great Valentine's Day message, eh? Find completion in God because your spouse can't complete you. And you unknowingly place expectations on them that they cannot fill. When you find completion in God, what happens is when they don't measure up, you don't fall apart because you're, you're made whole in him. And to the single person, to the dating, to the relating, find wholeness in God. Don't look to someone else to complete you. You might find yourself infatuated with love right now. You might be drawn by attraction and the, the chemical releasing in your brain, whatever that chemical is, is, is just overflowing you and you can't stop thinking about them. But they will not bring wholeness because the honeymoon stage always ends. Things will not bring you wholeness. Find your completion, find your wholeness in God and then you will find a fulfillment and won't long for desires that cannot satisfy. And to all of us, I say this, loving God brings deep, true fulfillment. And loving God enables us to love others. So let's bow our heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love for us. Lord, that you loved us even before you created us. Lord, out of love, you created, created life. You created existence, God. Everything we see and know, Lord, the beauty that is in life, from the smallest thing to the largest thing, the vastness of the universe, God, is displaying your love for us. Lord, you created us. You created us in your image out of love. And you created us, God, in relationship with you. You created us to be with you, to walk with you, to long for you, to find wholeness in you, to find fulfillment in you, God. And Lord, because of sin, our relationship with you was severed. It was cut off. But in your love, Lord, you paved a way. You died on the cross for our sin. You took our place. Our sin, God, deserved death, but you took our death upon yourself so that we can have eternal life in you so that that relationship can be restored so we can once again find wholeness. And so I pray for every person, God, within the sound of my voice today. Would you speak to that longing in their heart to, to the longing you put in their soul? And would you remind them that that only is fulfilled in you and in your love? And would you allow, God, your love to, to flow into every person, every heart, every mind, every soul, so that every ounce of our being, God, is just full of an overflowing love that comes from you. In the name of Jesus, I know, God, that all of us were human and we have natures in us, God, that are gonna cause us to desire after things thinking that the temporary satisfaction will fill that longing. And we may fall short, we will make mistakes, God, but I pray, God, would you remind us daily of your love for us that in you and in you alone, satisfaction is found. So in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, fill every person, God, as only you can. Display your love. Lord, for those who are, who are seriously lacking right now in love, who aren't feeling fulfilled in any aspect of life, God, I pray in the name of Jesus right now, would you speak so clearly that they are loved and it's not based on, on anything of themselves. And regardless of what happens and what they do and the mistakes they make, nothing can separate them from your love because nothing can separate us from your love. And Lord, in the name of Jesus, we bless you. We thank you and I pray you seal us with your spirit and seal that truth with your spirit 
Seal that love with your spirit. Holy Spirit, guard our minds and guard our hearts. And protect us, God, from the desires that come from this world that will lure us away from the truth that is found in this truth. In the name of Jesus, we love you, God, because you first loved us. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So my prayer, my hope is for you on this Valentine's Day is that you'd recognize that no thing or no one will ever satisfy you, even though you may have a great day today plan, but only God. And I pray that you find a joy in that and you find a fulfillment in that and you find a peace in that and you find a weight taken off your shoulders in that. So bless you. And if you're a kid, check out the kids' Zoom party happening right after this. God bless you. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope that this message brought you closer with Jesus and gave you a better understanding of your walk with him today. If you would like to know more about who we are as a church, you can visit our website, weareparkway.com. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at parkway.church.